Genesis chapter number 44. Genesis chapter number 44, and I hope that you have received a copy of the uh, outline that was emailed to you earlier. You can follow along there if you have that with you. But have your Bible in hand, and, and if you'd like to this morning, it's up to you. Uh, stand this morning for the Word of God. And uh, actually, uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different for sake of time. Instead of reading the text, we're just going to go through the text this morning. So it, 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 if you would, just have a seat, I guess, and we'll, we'll approach it that way. But we're going to cover a, a lengthy portion of Scripture this morning. And all of this, of course, right out of the Word of God. We're going to journey through chapter 44. And we've been going through this series on It Is Well. And I've enjoyed the study of Joseph's life. We got away from it for a couple weeks but uh, we're back in it this morning, and I've entitled today's lesson, uh, It is Well in Maturity. It is Well in Maturity. And as we think about this message this morning, uh, I, I think about all the ways that God works in our lives. Remember years ago, uh, the one cellular phone company would use the, the slogan, Can You Hear Me Now? And I think about how that God oftentimes is trying to speak to us but many times we are not listening, and as you can see the picture there, sometimes I think we, on our phones, when people call, we take a look at it, we see who it is, and what we do is, if it's somebody that we don't want to talk to, we just ignore them. We decline the call. Can I tell you that, especially this morning, and any time God is speaking to you, you need to answer those calls. You need to listen to what God is saying, and God is telling us today that, hey, listen, it's time for you to grow up. That's what the Lord is saying to all of us, and uh, none of us have arrived. I mentioned to the men this morning as I spent some time with a few of our men, and I said that uh, one thing that we all need to do is grow up, grow up in Christ. Uh, Paul said himself, I've not yet apprehended, and if the apostle Paul would say that of himself, then I think of each of us, how all of us have a long way to go, myself included. I'm glad for God's working in my life. But uh, I want to grow. I, I want to I become more like Christ. And as I think about all these ways that God tries to speak to us, sometimes those ways seem like strange ways that God speaks to us. I'll give you a, a few examples of this in the Bible. God, in the Word of God, used a burning bush to speak to Moses. God used a donkey to speak to Balaam in the Old Testament. God used the bleeding of some sheep to speak to King Saul. God used an empty meal barrel and a dead son to speak to the widow of Zarephath. God used a still small voice to speak to the prophet Elijah. How about this one? God used a rooster to speak to Peter. God uses things sometimes that we would think are strange, but God will use whatever means necessary to penetrate the hard heart of humanity. And he'll do that with a message that God wants a person to hear. See, sometimes we just refuse with our, our thick head, our hard heart, to listen to the message that God is trying to get to us. And I think oftentimes how God is saying to us, can you hear me now? You know, God is using in our lives today, what's going on in the world, and God is still trying to speak to us. In our passage this morning, God is teaching us that same truth. God uses something that is quite unusual. He uses Joseph's silver cup from our passage to really open the door 
in the lives of Joseph's brothers to bring the, about this matter of forgiveness and reconciliation. Again, it might seem strange to us, but after all these years, God is working to bring these guilty brothers of Joseph to a place of repentance. And, and he's doing it through the ministry of a silver cup that belonged to Joseph. So this morning, I want you to think about this. If God was doing all that in the lives of Joseph's brothers, then as I look at this passage this morning, I understand that God also knows how to speak to me, and God knows how to speak to you. And so notice with me this morning from chapter 44, the conspiracy towards maturity. The conspiracy towards maturity. Now, last week in chapter 43, Remember at the end of the chapter, we got to talking about how Joseph's brothers came and they brought Benjamin and how the Bible records that they sat down with Joseph. Of course, he was at a different table because he was the ruler and they were at a table. And remember, the Egyptians were also at another table because the Egyptians would not eat with shepherds. It was against their, their uh, religious convictions. But here in chapter 44, that meal is over. The time that they had, as the Bible says, to be merry, the meal is over and the next day has begun. In other words, the story continues. The brothers are probably feeling pretty good about things that had happened and no doubt maybe in some sense kind of patting themselves on the back, congratulating one another over the success that they felt that the mission was when they went to Egypt with Benjamin and going back a second time. But what they did not know was that God was working behind the scenes. God was about to bring them face to face with a sin from many, many years ago. A lot of people believe it was about 22 years that they had committed this sin against their brother Joseph. Now, we'll notice in verse number 1 of chapter 44, the Bible says, And he commanded the steward of his house that he is Joseph. And here's what he said to his steward, Fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry. and Put every man's money in his sack's mouth. So in verse number 1, Joseph tells the steward, I, I want you to give them as much grain as you can, and I want you to give them plenty of money. And then in verse number two, he says to his steward, and I also want you to put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest, that would be Benjamin. The Bible says, and he, notice he says, in the sack of the youngest and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. So this morning, I just happened to make a trip to Egypt and Joseph, let me borrow his silver cup. And I've got that cup in my hand this morning. Really not, but nonetheless, just something to illustrate that Joseph, look, he says, I want you to give them food in their sacks as they make their journey back. I want you to give them money for their trip. But as you notice there on the picture, he says, I want you to take my silver cup and I want you to put it into one of the sacks of one of the by the name of Benjamin, the youngest among them. It seems kind of strange. Again, God uses strange ways to speak to the hearts of his people. But Joseph tells his steward to do something 
very strange. So the man does exactly what Joseph instructed him to do. Now, look what it says, that as he puts it in there in verse number 3, the Bible says, as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses, and when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, up, or follow after the men, and when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, wherefore hast ye rewarded evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? Ye have done evil in doing so, and he overtook them, and he spake unto them these same words. So we find here that in verses 3 through 6, Joseph instructs his steward, after he had him put the cup in the sack, and you almost wonder what the steward is thinking at this time. I mean, he's thinking, he told me to put it in the sack, and I did what he says. Now he wants me to go after them and to bring it back to him and and basically speak to them about why would you do something like this. So Joseph Stewart says to them when he stops them, when he confronts them, he actually says to them, why have you rewarded good, uh, evil for good? In other words, look, Joseph's been good to you. Joseph's been kind to you, merciful unto you. He's, he's Listen, he hasn't thrown you in jail. He's given you the food, grain in your sacks. He's given you money. And, and why would you take something away from Joseph when all that he's done for you? So when you get to verse number seven, notice what the brother's reaction to the steward is. They said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. I mean, they're thinking to themselves, look, we've got plenty of money. God had been good to their family. Uh, why in the world, with all the money that they had, why would they, why would they take something so strange as Joseph's silver cup? I mean, clearly you see them uh, defending, they're denying the charge against them, they're defending their honor, and in verse number 8, they tell the steward that they've got plenty of money. Look at verse number 8. Behold the money which we found in our sack's mouths, we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan, How then should we steal out of my Lord's house silver or gold? Now look at verse number 9. With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both let him die and we also will be my Lord's bondsmen. So in verse number 9, they're so sure of their innocence that they actually make a very strong promise to Joseph Stewart here. And and what God was doing through this situation, this strange way that we might look at it is God was using Joseph as his instrument to draw these men to the place of repentance and then ultimately restoration. See, unlike Joseph's brothers and the way that they had treated them, the way that they had behaved poorly 20 some years ago, unlike his brother's Joseph was conspiring for their good. You see, God's the same way. When God deals with us, when God works in our lives, God will not tempt you for evil. Notice what the Bible says in Isaiah 55, verse 8. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher 
than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says in those verses, I wouldn't do it the way you would do it. Aren't you glad that God's ways are not our ways, that God's ways are better, they're higher than our ways? And as I look at this situation, look, I understand this. In my life, I have seen this, and you may have too, that God will work out His will in our lives, and many times it's in ways that we cannot comprehend. We cannot understand, God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing? Have you not asked yourself that question over these last couple months and weeks? God, why are you allowing this? Why are you letting this happen in my life? And you might think about your job and, and all that's going on. Again, ways that we cannot comprehend. There are times in our lives, just like Joseph's brothers, and may, there may be something in your life today. I don't know your heart, but God does. But Joseph's brothers, for 20-some years, they had just allowed this sin for many years ago to just remain in their lives. I think sometimes that's the way we are, is we allow things to just stay in our lives. And as we do that, maybe time goes by and we just get used to it, that it's there, it's a part of our lives, and it, it sometimes no longer bothers us. Or we get to the place where we think that we got away with it. You see, everything is open unto God. God knows everything about us. He knows exactly, just like in this passage, how to speak to us in our hearts. He knows exactly when to speak to us in our hearts. And when the time is right, here's what God will do. God will humble us. God will bring us to the place where He can get our attention. He'll bring us to where we know and we finally do repent of that sin in our lives. All of us in our lives have something or someone in our lives that if God chose to touch that thing, that whatever it may be, to touch it or sometimes even in some cases to take it, like in the life of Job, that if God were to do that, it would clearly get our attention. And, and I think that happened in the life of, of, of Abraham with his son and how God realized how precious that son was to him and how God asked him to offer up his son and he was willing to do that. And, and God says, listen, you can stop right there. Now I know is what God said to him. So what is it in your life today? I remember in the Bible for David, God used the death of his infant son and that awful sin that he committed with Bathsheba. I think in the Bible how God, as I just mentioned for Abraham, it was the offering of his own son Isaac. See, there is something or someone in all of our lives that if God were to touch that thing or that person, it would clearly get our attention. God knows how to get our attention. And by the way, God's not afraid to touch or to take what he pleases, and he'll do that. See, sooner or later, here's what you'll find in your life, if you have not already seen this, that God's silver cup will eventually show up in your life somehow. Just like Joseph had his steward put this cup into the sack's mouth, and that he went and then found it out, he knew it was there all the time, but... He exposed that in the life of Joseph's brothers. 
See, there might be something in your life, and I'm not talking proverbially here a silver cup. I'm talking about this just represents, like the ring on my finger represents marriage, that I'm married to my wife. This cup may represent some sin in your life that God may put into your life, that he may touch something in your life to get your attention. This morning, God, by his spirit, might be speaking to you at this very moment about what that is in your life. God may be trying to get your attention like he was Joseph's brothers, because the truth is, we're not going to get away with our sin. See, Achan in the Bible, the Bible tells us that Achan took that which he wasn't supposed to take. Those garments and those wedges of, of just metal. The Bible says he took it, and he, he went into his tent, and he, he, he put it in the floor of his tent. He thought, no one will know. And you know the story there, how they went family by family, and then they found out it was the family of Achan. And of course, not only Achan, but his entire family paid an ultimate price. Hey, listen, when I think of what the Bible says in Numbers 32, 23, but if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. God was allowing Joseph to be his instrument to bring about this conspiracy to mature Joseph's brother. The best thing that you and I can do as believers is to get our sin out in the open. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Listen, we need to understand that as the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 15, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Living a life with, you had to understand in Joseph's brother's heart that that sin just remained there, that it was a part of their lives and maybe it had been so long that they had forgot about it. Maybe, maybe it, they got to the place where they thought they were getting away with it. But see, God knew about it. God was using Joseph in his silver cup to bring about repentance in their lives. God was conspiring to bring Joseph's brothers back to him. And today, we may not understand it all. What is God doing in my life? But know this, that just like back then, God was at work, and today, God is at work in your life and in my life. God is conspiring, why? To bring us to maturity. But beyond the conspiracy, as we continue in chapter 44, notice the conspiracy leads to the confrontation towards, to, towards maturity. Look what the Bible says in verse number 10. The Bible says that after that they find the silver cup, he said, now also let it be according to your words. He says, he with whom it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall be blameless. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack, and he searched, began at the eldest and led, left at the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And the Bible says that there it was, in Benjamin's sack, as they opened up those sacks, each one starting from the oldest down to the youngest, the Bible says the sacks were open, they were searched, and 
Benjamin's sack contained the cup of Joseph. When I think about this incident, this confrontation, it was really, as we studied the word of God, it was Joseph's final test for his brothers. Joseph had been, prior to this, and they're coming to Egypt, Joseph had been testing them to see whether or not his brothers had changed, to see if they were still the same brothers that they were that, that had cast him into the pit, that had sold him into slavery. And Joseph wanted to find out, are they exactly like they used to be? See, 22 years ago, they thought that they had gotten rid of their brother, the one that they had an issue with, the one that they were jealous about. Joseph was testing them now because with this whole incident with the silver cup, see, just like they got rid of Joseph many years ago, now it was their opportunity to get rid of the only other full brother of Joseph, and that was Benjamin, the only other son of Rachel, their mother. See, if Benjamin would have been arrested and Benjamin would have been taken back to Joseph, then those other brothers could have just continued on back to Canaan and just forgot about Benjamin just the way that they had forgot about Joseph. See, what they did not know is that what was about to happen was that Joseph was going to reveal really what kind of men they were, the lessons that they had learned. And the Bible says in verse number 13, then they rent their clothes. When the sack of Benjamin was opened, the cup was there. The Bible says they, they, there's an act that they did. They rent their clothes, notice, and ladded every man his ass and returned to the city. In other words, they took everything that had been taken off of their animals. They, they closed up the, the mouths of their sacks. They put anything they had back on the animals. And the Bible says they prepared to go back to Egypt. They did not head on towards Canaan. They decided, listen, we need to go back. And the Bible records that they begin to plan to go back. Now, what happened before they made that decision was that the Bible says they rent their clothes. They tore their garments. In the Bible, you see this phraseology used. It's a term that's used that shows the grief that they had, that the, the, the cup was found in their youngest brother's belongings. And so they head back to Egypt to face the charges but the difference this time is they head back as one. Now, certainly they were individuals. There were, there were 10 of them, and then there was Benjamin, and then, of course, jo Joseph. But we find here that even though there were 10 of them, they head back as one. There's a unity among them. In other words, they had passed the test that Joseph placed before them. And, and listen, I don't know if this ever happened to you when you went to school, but they passed the test with flying colors. It would have said A plus on that piece of paper if it was something that they would have taken on paper. Here they are passing the test. There's no accusations thrown at one another. There's no compromises made. There's just simply a unified resolve among them. They were going to stand by Benjamin, stand by their brother. They had never done that for Joseph. The Bible says they were going to go back to Egypt, and we see here this picture of these 10 men who were, they were finally ready 
to do the right thing. Joseph wanted to see if this was going to happen or not. And so as they make their way back, these 10 men that were finally growing up, they were willing to face whatever consequences that they were going to face, they were going to do it together. They had grown to the point that they were looking beyond themselves and what they could get in life, like so many people just thinking about me, myself, and I. They were growing up. They were maturing. And I think God wants us all to come to the place where we stop making excuses for our behavior. We live in a world that wants to redefine everything, and people have terms and excuses for everything that they they do in life. God wants us to be willing, just like Joseph and his brothers, to, to own up to our sins in our lives. I love these verses out of 1 John chapter number 1. Listen to this. If we say that we have no sin, in other words, I've never done anything wrong, I have no sin in my life, the Bible says if we say that, we deceive ourselves. And the truth, it's not in us. The Bible tells us in other places that all have sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. And if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. Joseph's brothers weren't alone. We're all sinners according to the word of God. Verse number 9 of 1 John 1. If we confess our sins, those sins that maybe we've just forgotten about, those sins that maybe we thought we got away with, the Bible says if we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's God. God is saying, look, stop pointing the finger at other people. Our sins, look, this morning, think about yourself. Don't think about your spouse. Don't think about your children. Don't think about your boss. Our sins are our sins. They're not the sins of our parents. You cannot blame your parents for the sin in your life. Our sins are not our spouses. Our sins are not other people's. Look, stop pointing the finger at the surroundings and say, it's because of all that's going on in the world or because of this person or because that's going on. Look, this morning, our sins are our fault. If you desire this morning to have God's power on your life, can I tell you, just like Joseph's brothers were doing, do the right thing. Don't, don't point the finger at somebody else. Look, take a stand and face God for what's going on in your life. And Joseph's brothers, they were facing in their lives what they were facing because God was determined to get their attention and bring them back into a right relationship with him. And when we allow sin in our lives, whether it's something we did yesterday or a couple of years ago or many years ago, it's going to keep us from having God's favor and God's power and God's blessings in our lives. You see, what is God doing? What exactly is God doing or what is God going to need to do to bring you and I back into a right relationship? You see, Joseph's brothers, they had already made a couple trips into Egypt. It didn't bother them, but... When the silver cup that God used and 
used Joseph as his instrument to bring about the awareness that was there. You see, the conspiracy led to this confrontation. See, when sin is confessed, and I love this, 1 John 1, 9, when we agree with God about our sins, when sin is confessed, then restoration can take place. Forgiveness is a possible thing. Notice the blessings of God would then freely begin to flow in our lives. And so we find the confession is what, we, what God wants. So the, the conspiracy led to a confrontation towards maturity. And that confrontation, as we close out the message this morning, then notice the confession towards maturity. Because ultimately, this is where God wants us to get to. Look in your Bible in verse number 14. The Bible says, and Judah. Notice, he hasn't been mentioned for quite a while. One of the brothers by the name of Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house. Here they are back now at Joseph's house. The Bible says, for he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. Joseph was waiting to see exactly who it was that would show up once the silver cup was found. Joseph was wondering, will it be Benjamin that comes back by himself? Or will it be all of the brothers with Benjamin? See, his brothers come before Joseph. They get back to his house. Joseph is waiting to find out who's going to show up. And the brothers come. And notice what they do. They don't start making all kinds of excuses. They don't start pointing the finger at other people. The Bible says they bowed before him. Again, this is part of the fulfillment of the dream that God gave to Joseph. How Joseph had told them that he had dreamed this dream and that they would, they would one day bow. And they, of course, they laughed and they began to mock and they began to hate him for the dream that he dreamed many, many years before this. And the Bible goes on in verse number 15, how Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? Would ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? So it's interesting, Joseph actually leads his brothers to believe that somehow he is able to, to see what they have done even before they see it. The, the Bible uses the word divine there, also making a reference to divination. Uh, you see that divination, as you study ancient Egypt, it was something that was very popular. But can I tell you that Joseph was, even though he was in Egypt, he had never uh, gone into those practices of the pagans of Egypt. Joseph did not practice divination. But notice as he tells them that he could see this, it was really him saying that I've known what was going on. Why? Because he was the one that gave the silver cup to his steward. He was the one that said, put it into Benjamin's sack so that we can use this then to bring my brothers back here and course, understanding that God was using him in this situation. So look at verse number 16 as we continue with Judah and what Judah says to Joseph, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are 
my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. So Judah here begins by showing maturity by confessing their sin. Notice Judah doesn't name names. He confesses the fact that they had sinned and that God was punishing them for that sin. Remember, the Bible says that if you are a child of God, that whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth. And here God is dealing with them. And so Judah, as he speaks to Joseph in front of his brothers, he offers, listen, himself and the rest of his brothers as Joseph's servants. Let's read on, verse number 17. He said, God forbid that I should do so, but the man in whom, whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant, and as for you, get you up in peace unto your father. So in verse 17, we find that Joseph actually refuses the offer that Judah makes. He, Judah says, look, uh, we'll serve you. Joseph refuses that offer, and he, he actually tells Judah and his brothers, listen, why don't you just go home, but Benjamin, the one whom the silver cup was found, he's going to stay, and he will be my slave, my prisoner. Verse 19, my Lord asked his servants, saying, have ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, we have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one and his brother is dead and he alone is left of his mother and his father <clears throat> loveth him and thou sayest unto thy servants notice what he says here bring him down unto me that I may set mine eyes upon him and we said unto my Lord the lad cannot leave his father for if he should leave his father his father would die and thou saidest unto thy servants, except your youngest brother come down with you, ye shall see my face no more. So Judah stands before Joseph and he actually reminds Joseph that the whole reason that Benjamin even made this trip, came to Egypt, was because Joseph had requested it. Joseph had really demanded it. And so Judah stands there, he begins to confess that they had sinned. And he reminds Joseph of why Benjamin was there. And he says, look, if, if our brother Benjamin does not come back with us, our father, who is an old man, will die. Verse 24. And the Bible says, And it came to pass when we came up unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, go again and buy us a little food. And we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother be with us, then will we go down, for we may not see the man's face, except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, Ye know that my wife bare the two sons, bare me two sons. The one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. And if ye take this also from me, and mischief befall him, ye shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to, to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, and it shall come to pass, 
when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. As we think about this, Judah tells Joseph, he says, listen, you don't understand. My father is, is an old man. And if anything happens to his youngest son, it's not going to be well. And Judah offers himself. This is interesting. Look at the last part of the chapter. Because the Bible says in verse 31, Thy servants shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father when, with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For now, for how shall I go up to my father? And the lad be not with me, lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. So Judah makes an interesting offer here. He says, Joseph, if this is what you're asking, here's what I would like to propose. Instead of my brothers and I going home, why don't you let Benjamin go instead of staying here, and I will take his place. He offers to stay as Joseph's slave. Joseph sees through this offer and through this, this repentance that is coming from Judah, maybe as the spokesman of the brothers, Joseph sees now that his brothers have changed since they had come to him the first time coming out of Canaan into Egypt's land. And when Joseph hears the confession and Joseph sees the, the love that Judah and his brothers have for their family, it's really more than Joseph can stand. And I think when we look at chapter 44, there's a lesson here that all of us need to take with us today. That we need to allow God to show us in our heart how Judah really here in the end of this chapter is showing us how sin should be handled. Again, many times we have sin in our lives. We allow it to remain there. We think we've got away with it. But sin by its very nature is a selfish thing. See, when sin entered into the world, according to the Word of God, we find that that it entered because Eve was selfish. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 6, the Bible says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took a, of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave unto her husband also with her, and he did eat. Again, what do you see here? The woman and the man, they chose themselves over the Lord. If this is something that can help us, help me, we think many times about what we will do in life to get a leg up and realize, look, God is, is wanting to bless your life. It's not about you making something out of yourself. It's about you yielding yourself to God and allowing God to do something with your life. You see, when sin entered the universe, it, it came, it entered through selfishness, Isaiah 14, the Bible says in verse number 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cast down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. 
I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Did you notice how many times Satan, Lucifer there, says, I will, I will. Notice the selfishness there because every sin we ever commit is rooted in selfishness. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it is of the world. Our sins are all about us. It's all about our selfish nature. When we sin, you and I do something that is against God. We are choosing ourselves over every person, over everything in our lives, including God. And understand this morning that that is grievous in the eyes of God. When we sin, we're choosing ourselves over God, over His will, over every, everything in our lives, but our own selfish wants, our own selfish desires, our own selfish wishes. Why? Because sin is ultimately rooted in selfishness. When our hearts are the way they should be, in other words, when we're right with God, then the Lord and His will and our caring for the needs of others will all come before our own desires. Jesus' life was all about putting others before Himself. That's the life that God wants for us. That's the life of a mature believer. A mature believer looks at sin. And he realizes and she realizes that their sin will damage the community that they live in. They will, it will damage the, the, the church that they're a part of, the Lord's work. It will damage their family. It will damage other people's lives. And the only way to get past sin is to deal with it honestly. Get it out in the open. Like Judah did here. We've got to come to a place where we will confess our sins. Get them out in the open before the Lord. Get them out in the open before those that we have sinned against. And when I look at this passage this morning, and of course Joseph wasn't God. He wasn't standing in the place of God. But no doubt, Joseph, if he would have known of this verse, which came many years after Joseph lived, that we have in our Bible in 3 John, the Bible says there, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I really believe this would have been the feeling in Joseph's heart about his brother's confession of their sin against him, against God. When I think about his brothers here, what are they doing? They're finally growing up. They're finally maturing. They're ready to make things right. And I hope this morning, as you think about your life, that you are ready to make things right, that if there's something in your life that is not as it ought to be, but can I leave you with these thoughts this morning first? Are you, as a child of God, are you maturing in the Lord? Are you growing up? You say, Pastor, how do I know if I'm maturing in the Lord? Well, here's a good litmus test for you. Do you hate sin? Or do you just tolerate it? Do you allow it to stay in your life? Because one that is maturing in the Lord wants to tell the truth. 
about their sin. That's what the Bible tells us is to forsake it, to confess it. Are you maturing in the Lord? Number two, are there sins in your life that need to be confessed? Now remember, it's your life. It's between you and God or between you and the Lord and maybe somebody else that you have sinned against. Judah confessed their sin in the presence of Joseph. But there may be something in your life today, something that needs to be confessed. Great verse that I thought of, Psalm 38, 18. The psalmist said, For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. You see, are you willing to repent? Not just feel bad about it, but actually turn from it. To confess it. To get those sins out of your life. And listen, are you maturing in the Lord? Is there sin in your life that needs to be confessed. And then notice thirdly, are you wondering in your life, just like in Joseph's brothers, whether or not one day God will have a silver cup show up in your life? Is there going to be a silver cup in your future? God's going to bring something into your life that will be exposed, that God will use? You know, God uses people in our lives and God uses his word and God uses circumstances. Why? To bring about that we need to understand who we are and why does God do this? Why would God put a silver cup in your life and in my life? Why? To bring us back to himself, back into a close and a right relationship with him. You see, there may be some areas in your life today that are not right with the Lord. Remember that God will do what he needs to do to bring us to the place that he has our attention. He will humble us, bring humbling into our lives. And this humbling in our lives, again, will, will bring us back to him. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you, the Bible tells us in the book of James. And listen, this morning, as you think about this silver cup and this passage and how God used Joseph, and just a simple silver cup. Is God speaking to your heart today? Is there something that God is conspiring in your life to bring you to a place of maturity? Something that God is confronting you with this morning that's maybe been in your life, like in Joseph's brother's lives, for about 20 or more years? Something that God has reminded you of today. Why don't you grow up in the Lord today and confess your sin? And the Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? I just want you to be still in your home there. If you have your children... Just maybe pull your children to your side, hold their hand. I want you to be focused this morning. I want you to think about this morning, God is meeting with us. I really believe this message this morning where Joseph's brothers had to go back and face the sin in their life.
They had to go back and face, yes, Joseph, but ultimately they had to go back and face God. God has probably brought something to your mind and heart today. Maybe something that you haven't thought about for many, many years. And the Lord, if he has come to you today and he's speaking to you, then deal with it. Make things right. Do what God is telling you to do. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. I tell you, when, when we confess our sins, when we get right with God, our burdens are lifted. God is able to allow his blessings to flow in our lives that had been stopped because of the sin. Don't look at others. They're not the problem. Don't blame your surroundings. Look in the mirror. Look in the word of God. Realize God is confronting you and God is confronting me today. And he's doing it for our good. Oh, things get so much better in the life of Joseph and his brothers. But things were not going to get better until they got things right. Right with God and right with others. If you need to be saved this morning, you don't know Christ as your Savior. Why don't you put your faith and trust in Him and Him alone today? The Bible says, for by grace are you saved. Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Cry out to God today. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior. We have a wonderful Father, a faithful God, who loves us, but he will not allow us to sin successfully. He will use his silver cup in our lives. Not to be mean or cruel to us, but he will use it to help us be right with him. Lord, thank you for this morning, for speaking to hearts. Thank you for the strange ways that you speak to our hearts. You conspire to bring us to maturity. You confront us with things in our lives that really we need to be brought face to face with. Lord, may there truly have been in, in the days ahead a confession in our lives. Certainly, a sign of maturity is that we hate sin. And we want to tell the truth about it. Help us to be right with you. Thank you for speaking to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. 